Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. We're going to go right back out to the Raider Nation radio listener line, or guest line, actually. Definitely guest line. And welcome in our good friend Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, my teammate at the Review-Journal. You can read all of his stuff. Um, Just download the app Vegas Nation or go to VegasNation.com, and you'll be able to see all of Sam Gordon's great work. Sam Gordon, how are you doing, my friend? Doing well, Vinny. Appreciate you having me on the show. Always a pleasure. Absolutely, and likewise. And uh, Sam, I'm going to read something to you here real quick, all right? If you have like about 20 seconds. Let's rock. All right, here we go. All right, you ready? Yep. The Buffalo Bills, the Green Bay Packers, the Los Angeles Rams, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Dallas Cowboys, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Indianapolis Colts, the St. Oh my gosh, the Arizona Cardinals, the Cleveland Browns, the Baltimore Ravens, the Denver Broncos, the Minnesota Vikings. I just named 13 teams. Sam Gordon, uh, do you know or have any inkling what that might represent? Oh, you know, at first when you were reading them off, I thought, okay, Super Bowl contender, Super Bowl contender, Super Bowl contender. But then you said the Minnesota Vikings, Vinny, and then I had to realize that that that, that no longer was the case, not (laughs) Super Bowl contender. So uh, please, please, uh, please share. What, what, what do we got there? Well, just to be clear, too, uh, number 14, the 14th team, which I did not read off, which was right behind the Minnesota Vikings, uh, was the Las Vegas Raiders. And to explain Ooh. what that is, ESPN, uh, it might have been today or late yesterday, uh, but anyway, over the last 24 hours or so, uh, they put out their first power ranking index for the 2022 season. I get it. I understand it. It's May 17th. Um, we haven't even seen guys get out on the field yet or the grass yet. Um, and and we're already trying to predict what the rankings are going to look like. But my question to you is you heard some of those teams. Some of them make a lot of sense, obviously. But there are some teams that I feel um, I, think, I think ESPN is a little bit uh, too high on, maybe too ambitious for. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that the Raiders don't slot where maybe they belong. I don't know. I'll ask you that question, number 14. But are we sitting here saying that the Broncos, the Ravens, the Browns, the Cardinals, the Colts, the Chargers, the Cowboys are all better than the Raiders right now? Well, the Cardinals to me, Vinny, and the Vikings, um, and even Indianapolis, those three I'm not so sure about them. I mean, we saw the Cardinals. I mean, how the Cardinals looked the last time we saw them? That's that's all we have to go off of. Plus, no DeAndre Hopkins for, for the first six weeks, and your quarterback is mired in some kind of contract dispute. So that, to me, uh, feels a little ambitious regarding Arizona. Uh, same thing with the Colts. I think I do think uh, Matt Ryan on paper uh, is an upgrade over Carson Wentz, but. How much, you know, he hasn't had a, a whole ton of success the last few years either. He is going to be in a better situation, better line, and, and better uh, better playmakers around him. But is he enough to, to elevate a team that lost to the hapless Jacksonville Jaguars to fumble the playoff spot? Raiders went into Lucas Oil Stadium last year with a, you know, I think a generally a worse roster than they have this year and handled their business. Um, and then the Vikings, uh, I mean, I don't know. They got a new, a new head coach, but, I mean, it seems like pretty much they're running the same operation back 
uh, last year, and they were a disaster in close games. They were an absolute disaster uh, in, in games decided, um, you know, by – I mean, all their games came down to the wire, and they lost a bunch of them. So uh, I, those three teams, to me, feel like – I don't I don't know what there is there to, to suggest that they're automatically uh, better than the Raiders, but the rest of them seem, seem pretty fair. I, I'm curious to see how Baltimore – uh, looks with with a re, what, what looks to be a revamped defense and with some of the uh, the moves they made up front. How does Lamar Jackson bounce back? But but overall, organizationally, they're they're strong. Dallas uh, seems to be in a pretty good spot. And of course, the other teams that you named, any of the teams I thought you know were to be Super Bowl contenders, uh, and for good reason, pretty complete teams. But but to me, um, at least on paper, I think the, the the Raiders have to be considered a, a you know top fourteen team at at, at least because. Again, they, they were one of the 14 playoff teams last year, and they got better, at least on paper. We have to see how it shakes out, but now you have one of the more complete offenses uh, in the NFL, provided the line holds up, uh, and you're still solid on defense. Not not spectacular by any means, but solid enough on defense. I think it's, you know, 14, uh, there's going to be 14 playoff teams. You would definitely expect the Raiders to be in the mix for one of those spots, and I think, uh, you know, somewhere 11, 12, 13, 14 is relatively fair, but the, the, those, those were the three teams that, that jumped out where I'm not, I don't know if you can definitively say right now that they're better than the Raiders on paper, right? Sam Gordon, I agree with you. And Sam Gordon, what am I missing with the Dallas Cowboys at number six? Six is high. Six is really, really <laughs> high. I, I, Dallas has, obviously has a good roster. Uh, playoff team last year won the NFC East. But I think that, that division is going to be better. Philadelphia made moves this offseason. Another year where, where Jalen Hurts gets more comfortable. Now he has A.J. Brown opposite um, Devontae Smith, uh, the, the, the Washington football team, you know, maybe better. The Giants, uh, I, I thought they nailed their draft. We'll see how much of an impact uh, their rookies make. But at least on paper right now, as far as evaluating draft, drafts two or three weeks after, uh, I think they did about as good as you can do. And we, we'll know more, you know, at the end of the season and certainly next year at this time. Uh, but, but to me, they, they, were, they had a pathetic showing in the playoffs last year as well. I think there's still um, questions about, you know, I think Dak Prescott, clearly a very good quarterback, in the NFL, but we're in year what six or seven now, entering year six or seven, and he has how many playoff you know playoff wins, one or two, with one of the highest payrolls on a, on a roster flush, full of um, full of top tier talent. I uh, thought in the playoff game last year he was iffy, he was shaky. He, he very good, very productive quarterback. I think you could make a deep playoff run with him, but they haven't done it yet. So all it is is an opinion right now. We we don't have any evidence that 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 this is a Super Bowl caliber team. I mean, they haven't been there in you know almost thirty years, so. Six to me uh, felt a little high. I do still think they're the best team in the NFC East. Still should be a contender um, in the NFC. And, and look, maybe maybe they are really good, and maybe they did really improve. But you know, trading Amari Cooper, uh, I don't know how that necessarily makes you better. Uh, there's still questions about Ezekiel Elliott at running back. Um, defensively, they should be solid, but I don't know. Six is really high. Six to me suggests a, a firm obvious Super Bowl contender, and I don't see that right now when I see the Dallas Cowboys, nor did I see that last season, and the results played out. They spoke for themselves. Sam Gordon, who's the best wide receiver right now on the Las Vegas Raiders roster? Oh, Devontae Adams. Where did he play last year? He played for the Green Bay Packers. The Packers at number two, Sam Gordon, after losing Devontae Adams? Is that, I mean, legit to you? Well... No, I mean that's 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 essentially saying you're expecting this team to get to the Super Bowl, right, or to get to get to the NFC Championship, which they did, which they didn't do last year uh, with, with Devontae Adams. Adams. Smack dab in his prime. I, I think we, we know how great Aaron Rodgers is, and, and this is a division he's historically dominated. I don't think any of the teams in the NFC North have done enough 
to eclipse the Green Bay Packers. But when you're talking about the heavy hitters, the best teams in the NFL, your your, your L.A. Rams of the world, the Buffalo Bills, uh, Kansas City, you're, you're, you have a premier receiving target to go with your great quarterback. You have a Cooper Cup. You have a Stephon Diggs. In Cincinnati, you have a Jamar Chase. You have a Travis Kelsey uh, in, in Kansas City. There's premier premier perimeter talent to complement your elite quarterback. Right now, Green Bay doesn't have that. And it's, I mean, we're in mid, the middle of May. Uh, there were receivers to be had, Tyreek Hill, uh, A.J. Brown. I mean, there's a couple more that, that got traded, many that are escaping my mind. Right? Obviously, Devontae Adams, they, they moved off of him. And Aaron Rodgers come and came out and said he didn't, you know, he didn't expect that when he was talking with Pat McAfee um, during the time of the draft. So I, I don't, I don't know. Two, two feels high to me too, and and they're they're going to be solid defensively. Matt Lafleur has done an excellent job, and, and the, the nature of Aaron Rodgers being there alone, you're gonna, he's gonna have, a, you know, you think he's gonna have a good year, and that there's enough perimeter talent to to win the division. But when you're talking about the top dogs in the NFL in 2021, 2022, there is a premium on perimeter skill position players receivers, tight ends, they don't have one at that top level. So until they do, um, I'm not sure how you're, how you're mixing them with the real, real, real heavy hitters. They're, to me, right now, they're like a second-tier contender where, yeah, it wouldn't shock you if Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl, but they don't have one of the top two teams on paper. I, I certainly believe that at this juncture of the season. We're talking to uh, Sam people. Gordon. Uh, you can follow him at by Sam Gordon. He is the great sports columnist and enterprise reporter over at the Review Journal. What is Enterprise Reporter? He writes big stories, uh, investigative stories, takes his time and fleshes things out. That's what an Enterprise Reporter is, and Sam Gordon is really, really good uh, at that. And I'm getting him fired up here, talking about some teams that I don't think deserve to be where they're ranked by ESPN. But who am I to tell ESPN (laughs) how to do their business? Uh, Regardless of that, let's localize this now, Sam Gordon, and talk about the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, they are ranked number 14. I'm not necessarily uh, opposed to that ranking. It's probably a good starting point for them, and then they can earn their way uh, up the rankings, uh, and I think that they will actually do that. Uh, but when we're talking about defense right now, uh, Sam Gordon, and I, I, we talked about this last week on our podcast, the Raiders went from 29.9 points per game to 25.9 points per game given up. Not a huge swing, but a big enough swing that they ended up winning 10 games and getting the playoffs, I think, because of that swing that they made. There's no way they make the playoffs if they're giving up 30 points a game like they did in 2021. So can we expect, and what are realistic expectations for any sort of defensive improvement this year under Patrick Graham? Yeah, I mean, I think – you know, I, I think there are realistic expectations. You take a look at what he was able to do with the Giants, uh, and circumstantially you have to consider Daniel Jones is their quarterback. There's limitations there. There's a lot of turnovers. They, they got the running game going. It was a very, very anemic offense. So this was a defense that was put in compromising positions time and time again. When you consider that, um, when you factor that in, I think they pretty good defense, pretty good unit, um, pretty effective, kept the Giants in some games, even with their limitations offensively. So, uh, you, you, you bring him over, uh, his staff, and, and you upgrade a, a little bit. Um, Unique Nagakwe is certainly a, an ex, you know, good pass rusher, but Chandler Jones uh, at this point is, I think, still one of the better pass rushers in the league, so a slight upgrade there. Uh, of course, you have the changes you know, formationally where you're going to probably see some 3-4, uh, but also some 4-3, of course, plenty of nickel uh, looks because this is 2022 and this is the NFL. Um, the, the, what was it, Vinny? You said uh, like a three or four point difference. I think another, you know, a two or three point difference, you know, from 25.9 down to 24, tw- you know, 23 and a half. 
that doesn't seem like it's, it's that much of a reach when you factor in that, okay, you figure now that you upgraded the offense, the offense should be better. That keeps your defense a little fresher, and, and, and you know, you're playing the, the, the circumstances of the game you know, change entirely. I think you have to consider that when evaluating how the Raiders are going to perform on the defensive side of the ball. Is this an offense capable of scoring more points, possessing the ball longer, finishing drives with touchdowns, putting a little more pressure on the opposing offenses to take a little bit more risks? I think the pass rush is going to be strong. Uh, I think there's enough there um, at linebacker. I think the questions come with, when you talk about the ceiling of how good this defense is going to be uh, are the secondary. How good are your corners? How much depth do you have at corner? And how good are your safeties uh, going to be under Patrick Graham? But, it, but it, if that, you know, the pattern continues and you're only improving by a point and a half, uh, two points, I mean, that was enough, like you said, to, to go from an eight-win team to a ten-win team. Maybe you go from 25 and a half, 20, you know, nearly 26 points a game to 24. That might be another win. Or, or it might be um, not necessarily another win, but a win you need during the season in, in a more competitive division to make the playoffs, to make the wild card round. So I don't think those are, those are unrealistic expectations. If the offense performs to the way it's certainly capable of with Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, uh, Darren Waller, and, of course, uh, Derek Carr uh, behind center, uh, you, you should – you don't need a, a top 10, top 12 defense to be pretty good. You, sh- you should be able to get by with a, just an average defense, and uh, those incremental improvements feel that you know, they would make it the defense at least average, and that should be good enough um, to compete for a playoff berth once again in the AFC West. Right, and if the offense stays healthy, especially those, those weapons, um, I don't think you're going to see the big dip that they took last year. Uh, the offense after Henry Ruggs and Darren Waller got hurt, it was a little too much uh, to, to, to handle – uh, and that's why you saw a, a little bit of a shift offensively. And ironically enough, it was the defense that stepped up during that winning streak yep. down the stretch uh, to help them get to the playoffs. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot before we get you uh, out of here. Uh, we're talking okay. about the offensive line. We're talking about what that five-man offensive line is ultimately going to look like. Uh, if you were to guess, and obviously we know Colton Miller is going to be the left tackle. Uh, if you were to guess on what the remaining positions are going to be, who the remaining positions are going to be filled by, um, what what would your guess be right now? Oh, geez, um, that is a that is a tough question. I mean, I think we're going to see uh, the rookie Dylan Parham um, get an opportunity. I, I would guess um, at that left guard spot. Uh, that would be my guess. I think we'll, we'll probably see Andre James again uh, at center uh, at right guard. Um, I, I think we see. Ooh, that's tough. Is Alex Leatherwood the right guard or the tackle? I don't yes. know. Great question. I, th- I think there was a, an interesting graph today, Vinny. I don't know if you saw it, uh, a graphic um, that went around on Twitter talking about players that move, um, that were tackles in college that moved to guard, traditionally struggled their first year in the NFL more than guys that already came in as guards. But in their second year, going from tackle to guard, you see better production than guys that already came in as guards. So can Alex Leatherwood follow that trend if he stays at guard? I'm going to say – he stays um, at guard, uh, and he, he's, he's the right guard. Um, I think Brandon Parker uh, early in the season uh, is the right tackle, but it would not shock me by the end of the year uh, if, if they're Mumford Jr., seventh-round pick, all-Big Ten uh, player uh, at Ohio State if he, if he comes on and emerges and finds a way um, to, to sneak in that right, right tackle spot. And I don't want to discount Denzel Good in the offensive line equation either. You know, we'll, see what, we'll see what he has there, but that, that is the – um, biggest question. Fortunately, like you said, Vinny, for the Raiders, um, from from their standpoint, you have the most uh, important position on the line. Your left tackle, uh, you know, one of the best left tackles in the NFL. That's solidified. That is huge because if you didn't have Colt Miller solidified, then you'd have real problems. So it, it's going to be interesting. 
uh, should be a lot of fun competition, you know, in the summertime and, of course, in training camp, one of the things that obviously the top storylines. Uh, but it's, I think it's going to be another young unit. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't mind seeing from, from the Raiders' perspective of another veteran at some point uh, before training camp to, to compete with this mix, but, but there should be enough there to, to formulate a five-man unit uh, that can at least, um, you know, provide a, a baseline level of protection and a baseline level of production in the running game for this offense to be a, you know, potentially top 10, top eight, top five kind of offense. And I can't wait for all of us to overreact when we see what the starting group looks like uh, in a week or so, whenever we get out, uh, get onto the field uh, and and watch this group uh, practice during an OTA session. Uh, And we can all go tweet it and, talk about it and overanalyze it, even though I think it's going to change a million times over uh, before that season opener uh, against the Los Angeles Chargers in Los Angeles. Sam Gordon, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Truly appreciate it. Take care, my friend, and we'll talk to you down the road. Anytime, Vinny. Appreciate you having me. Talk soon. Take care. You got it, brother. That was Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Uh, one of the good ones uh, out there. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Tuesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Going to get to the callers here in just a second, but I got to give it to Kevin Durant, and I love Kevin Durant, so uh, there's that. Uh, I've been watching him play for a long, long time, um, and he just can, continues to do it at a very, very high level. Uh, hasn't always had the team around him um, and certainly not in Brooklyn this year, but he tweeted this out just a little while ago and it's a fantastic question and I'm going to throw it out uh, to our listeners. All right, so this is Kevin Durant's tweet just a little while ago. Which centers from the 1990s would be in the MVP, the MVP conversation, if they played in today's NBA? Um, Chris Haynes, one of the great NBA reporters out there, responded, uh, Dream, Akeem Olajuwon, Shaquille O'Neal, uh, David Roberts, Robinson, and possibly Patrick Ewing. Now, remember, he's talking about who would be in the MVP talk uh, today. So uh, you have to be bringing it to be uh, an MVP candidate. Um, Akeem Olajuwon, Shaquille O'Neal, David Robinson, and possibly Patrick Ewing. So that is Chris Haynes's uh, answer. But I'm going to ask you guys if there were, if you could take any center from the 1990s, who would be in the MVP candidate? candidacy today give us a call 702-365-9200 oh my gosh Shaquille O'Neal in today's NBA I'm I'm I get it he would have to do some different things defensively because there's more mobility from centers today but if you just threw the ball into Shaq there's nobody Demond, nobody right now that even understands how physical a force uh, in his prime, Shaquille O'Neal was. He was fast. He had great footwork. He was a tremendous athlete. He was powerful. Um, and he didn't need much. Who cares that he didn't have a you know, a floater or a mid-range game? He didn't need to. He just backed you up and overpowered you. Is there any, anyone in today's NBA, a center that's big enough and physical enough to deal with Shaq down low? There wasn't anybody back then, and there were some really good players that he had to deal with. Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, yes, you're right. Okay, that's that is one guy that um, physically could deal with Shaq down down low. I mean, he would still get thirty on him because <laughs> he got thirty on everybody. Uh, but he would make, he would at least be physical enough and big enough uh, and athletic enough to to you know be able to stand in his way a little bit. Anybody? There's no I can't think of anyone now. That's not uh, saying anything wrong about today's NBA or today's NBA centers. They're taught differently now. 
the the down low back to his basket kind of center is evolving. We're evolving away from that. Uh, but you know what? It's always a Shaquille O'Neal emerging or somebody like him emerging. Um, that's how long it will be before somebody comes along. And, and that's going to happen. It's almost bound to happen that somebody as big and physical uh, as Shaquille comes along again. And I think he's going to force things to change a little bit, maybe just by himself or, uh, or, or if there's multiple guys that come along that are, that are that big and that physical. And the thing about Joel that Shaq couldn't do, he shot three, he shoots threes, Joel, you know, so Shaq would have to come out and defend him as well. Uh, and you have to account for that. But man, Shaquille was so good, but so was Akeem Olajuwon. People don't, re- I don't know, They they if you didn't see it for yourself to see how good that dude really was, uh, Patrick Ewing, David Robinson, uh, there were some really, really good centers that I think would fit right in in today's NBA and force some teams to do some things a little bit differently. We're going to go out to the Realty One Group listener line. L.A. Lou is on the line. How you doing, Lou? What's up, Benny? How you? I'm doing really good, thanks. Good, good, good. Hey, um, I would go with Will Chamberlain. Uh, I guarantee Wilt, Wilt, Wilt was probably one of the best stat guys ever in, in, in sports with the 50, 50, 20 rebounds. Yeah, he would have did good in today's game. Well, the question was from the 1990s. So, uh, obviously, Wilt was, uh, you know. 1990s, uh, man. Uh, well, the only person I could think of is the dream, uh, Elijah Wan. I would go with uh, Elijah Wan. I think he would destroy these guys. These guys could yeah, I mean that that dream shake was, was just was ridiculous. And Shaq, Shaq was in the remember Shaq yeah, came Shaq in in the early nineteen nineties. Yeah, these guys couldn't help, but the dream, <laughs> the dream showed. The dream, uh, he did destroy Shaq his first couple of years, though. They, they, they so you got a good dream credit too. I, Elijah one was so good. He was so 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 good in so many different ways too. Um, I mean, he was just a tr- yeah. defensively rebounding, offensively. Yeah. He blocked shots. Hey, Vinny, what I call to Yeah, you, go for it, brother. Um, is that you just spoke with um, um, Bill Williamson or Sam Gordon? Sam Gordon. You spoke to Sam Gordon. And I follow him a lot because, you know, I've been, been, you know, I've been living in L.A. all my life. But here's the thing. Uh, that, that NFL ranking by ESPN, what, what did we expect? How do you have the Cowboys, we beat them, the Chargers, the Colts, the Browns ahead of us, Baltimore, Denver, we beat all those teams and they still have them. But here's the thing, Vinny, what I'm telling you is that East Coast bias and people keep saying, oh, there's no East Coast. It is because there's no reason for these guys to be in front of us, Vinny. We, we, we got a better team than we had last year. You telling me, and the Cardinals got issues with a quarterback, the Browns, We'll have issues with quarterback because Watson's going to get suspended. We don't know when Lamar's coming back. And Russell Wilson ain't the same guy that they think they're getting in Denver. He's great. He's good, but he, he, he's kind of going off. So do you think it's Derek Carr? Do you think it's because of Derek Carr, our quarterback, is the rankings is that or no? No, I don't think it's Derek Carr uh, because look, the the Vikings and Kirk Cousins are, are ranked ahead of the uh, the Raiders right now. Uh, but I'm the, talking about in the division. I'm talking about. I'm sorry, in the division. Why are they every poll? I have not seen anybody pick the Raiders in front of, except for Rich Eisen that picked the Raiders to win the division. Everybody has a sport, right? Is it because of the quarterback ranking. I don't necessarily. I, I I 
to be honest, I think it's more, uh, all right, how how much better is that defense going to be? Is the offensive line, uh, did they get the offensive line straightened out? I don't think it's necessarily a, a Derek Carr um, uh, question. And, I, you know, I got this question. I did this magazine article uh, that I just uh-huh. wrapped up today, and, the, and the, the fantasy question that I had to answer was, um, now that he's reunited with Devontae Adams, is is you know Derek Carr's numbers going to go uh, up? Are, are, are his numbers going to be better? And what I pointed to was people need to remember that after the first five or six games, whatever it was last year, with uh, with with you know Henry Ruggs being out there, a healthy Darren Waller, uh, stability at the head coaching position at that point in time, people forget. People were talking, legitimately talking about, hey, if Derek Carr can keep this up, he's going to be in the MVP consideration at the end of the season. Now, it's not that his play leveled off. He loses Henry Ruggs, and Darren Waller went out for like five or six games uh, you know, uh, after Thanksgiving. The numbers reflected what was happening around him. You can't just replace Henry Ruggs on the fly, and it was very hard to do that. You obviously can't just replace Darren Waller, uh, but when when those guys were there or healthy, Derek Carr's numbers were MVP-worthy. And if Devontae Adams and Darren Waller stay healthy and Hunter Renfro stay healthy, then I think that you're going to see a consistently good year to great year for Derek Carr. So I don't think that people are necessarily looking at Derek Carr as the reason why they're ranked 14th. I think it's more, well, is the defense better? Um, are they going to be able to make the adjustment to Patrick Graham and what they're doing? Um, did they solidify the offensive line? I think it, that's what it's going to come down to. I think I'll, everyone that I talk to believes that the Raiders are going to score points. With Derek Carr as the quarterback and Darren Waller and Devontae Adams and Josh McDaniels calling the shots offensively, I think there's still some concern about the defense. Ellie Lou, thank you so much for the call. Uh, always appreciate it. Don't be a stranger. Back out to the Raider or the Realty One Group listener line. Derek Carr's hair is on the line. How you doing, Derek Carr's hair? Hey, how you doing, Vinny? Thanks for taking my call. Yep, absolutely. Hey, can I get in on the center question a little bit? Yes, absolutely. All right. So uh, for me, it's uh, obviously Shaq and uh, Hakeem. Those, those guys just transcend, you know what I mean? Yep. They're, they can play. I'm going to give you one. Outside the box. Hear me out. Hear me out on this one. Uh, Alonzo Mourning, uh, very athletic, uh, good defender, had a shot. I think uh, in this NBA, I think he could translate well. Well, the question is, and I, I think Alonzo could play in any era, um, yeah. but is who the, the question from Kevin Durant was, who among those 1990 centers would be MVP considerations candidates uh, in today's NBA, uh, I, I think that he'd be in the in the conversations. Um, and and here's the thing: what's so interesting about um, Alonzo and uh, my great producer Demon Cotton brought this up. Are we talking about just dropping people out of a time capsule into a new era, or is a, is somebody like Alonzo Mourning going to be part of um, how how this contemporary group of big guys? are being developed and being taught and being instructed on how to play basketball. Because Alonzo Mourning, you could make a case that if he was trained the way these guys are being trained, who knows, maybe he could shoot a seven, uh, you know, a, a three-pointer. Maybe he's somebody that you could have put him out on the perimeter as well as what he was able to do inside and be an effective player there. You know what I'm saying? So are we taking them from the 1990s and they're the 1990s version of themselves? Or 
are we taking them and putting them uh, here into uh, 2022? And they've grown up with this generation of basketball players and were taught the same way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, totally. That's a great question. Yeah. Uh, man, Demond knows too. Uh, Hugh says he doesn't know how to play it, but he knows it. Oh, he threw it in there. He threw it in there. I did, I did. All the, all the. I had a quick question for you, uh, just with regards to uh, Raider, Raider related. Uh, So if, if, if if, uh, the Raiders do sign Bradbury, two questions. Where would you put their secondary relative to the AFC West and then uh, within the greater scheme of uh, secondary across the board? And then my other question was, I saw this, uh, somebody pointed this out, a good, good tweet. Uh, somebody wrote that um, while the, the receiving core is strong, there's no, like, clear burner, someone that can just take the top off the defense. A lot of the guys that are in the receiving core right now are about four or five guys, right? So that's fast, but not like Henry Ruggs fast. I hate to say it, but yeah. Uh, where do you think could be an option there, or do you think they, they, they're fast enough to, to kind of uh, – be able to still threaten the perimeter. Well, here's here's my answer to the uh, to the second question. Um, w- the point of having somebody fast, yes, somebody that can take the top off the of defense, uh, as they say, um, but also what it's ultimately doing is drawing attention, defensive attention, uh, to that to that person because you're taking a safety and a cornerback um, out of the equation because they have to defend the deep ball. The safety has to come over and help. Having said that, even though the Raiders might not have speedster speedsters, they have two guys, two guys in Devontae Adams and Darren Waller that you you have to double team at least one of those guys. Like you have to take a safety and um, use one of those safeties to either uh, directly double team them or you know, shade to that side of the field so that they're in position to be able to uh, deal with them. So in essence, by having a Darren Waller and by having a Devontae Adams, you're um, forcing teams to devote more bodies to either one of those two guys. And that's going to leave one of those guys in single coverage more often than not. So uh, I think that, you know, the, the speed aspect of it is important but they're they're also able to accomplish it in a different way in terms of uh, getting more bodies devoted to one or two of your offensive players. Uh, even though they're not speedsters, they're so good. They're so good that you have to account for them. Uh, and by accounting for them, I mean devoting extra bodies to them. All right, Vinny, it's time for America's favorite game show. Does the call stand or is it overturned? Got a little preempted by callers there. So That's okay. We're going to have to make it a little quick here for today. That's all right. And uh, uh, this is the game where Demond Cotton takes a couple, three, a handful of uh, hot topic sports topics uh, and comes up with some sort of a this is how it is. Does the call stand or is it overturned? Demond Cotton, have, a, have at it. All right. Netflix announced a new show. You know, Comedy Central used to have the roast, but now Netflix wants to get their hand in on the roasting. Ooh. And now they have a new series called Groat. And you know, you've heard of Goat, yes, but yes. this is the greatest roast of all time. And the first participant in this series that Netflix is producing is going to be the Goat, as some like to call him, Tom Brady, 
of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he's also an executive producer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's not going to be doing this if he's not getting a little piece Definitely. of the pie. And we get that there. Before I get to the actual call that I want to ask you, right? Who do you want to see roast Tom Brady a little bit? Because I would, I think that Peyton Manning, because I feel like he he walks around with a team of comedy writers. I think yes. that Peyton Manning has to be involved with it a little bit. But who else do you think maybe? might be involved in this okay um if we're talking about guys that i think would be able to really give it to him now first of all the fact that it's on netflix gives me hope even you know the comedy central ones were pretty good they were they were a step uh uh, you know uh, above the uh just the regular roasts that you would see on tv back in the day because you could do a little bit you had more flexibility to cuss and things like that and just be a little bit more raw and honest Netflix, I think, is going to take it to another level. And I think I, I'm getting the feeling that Tom Brady's going to be okay with that. Like, he gets it and understands it. And whatever comes, comes. Whatever happens, happens. Um, he, I feel like he's at a point in his life. Tell me, whatever you got, give it to me. I would go with Bill Burr. I think Bill Burr, the comedian, I think would be great uh, to have as a, as, a, as a roaster. I think that he would have the confidence and the material to really get after um, uh, Tom Brady. I'm trying to think. Peyton Manning, absolutely. Um, maybe a Marshawn Lynch. I'd like to see Marshawn Lynch get in there. I don't know. I feel like I, what's his material? What's his actual He's got to get some writing. Yeah. Be. Right, right. Because, you know, he, he, would also, he could be able to give him the Super Bowl dig. But, you know, yes. what, what jo- you know, because, I mean, you got to come well, up there. Well, you definitely have gotta... to have some writers. Yeah, exactly. In his case. Uh, or in a lot of these guys' cases. Peyton Manning is going to have to have some uh He's got the writers. team. We already know he's got the team. Right. Um, who would you? Give me, give me some names. Oh, under. no. Peyton's got to be number one yeah. for me because I do think that that rivalry will stand the test of time. And I do think that Peyton Manning is actually funny. Yes. Uh, any former teammate, you'll probably get Gronk, Gronk up there. Yeah. You know, maybe Edelman. Right. But... I don't know because Tom Brady, he he is the goat. I don't know who could take some shots at him and act. Bill Burr, that's a good comedian. Yes, you know having those Boston ties. But Vinny, the one person that this will not be a true roast. Okay. Does the call stand that this roast will be incomplete yes. without Bill Belichick? Oh, 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 the call stands. First of all, the call Here stands. The ruling on the field stands. Now. Let me add uh, a little a little bit to that. He would have to be a willing participant, and and I've heard that you know Bill Belichick has a has a nice you know sense of humor. He's actually human away from the game and you know away from work and the grind uh, of the job. And I think um, he would have to be involved somehow, some way, and you'd have to let him be free Bill Belichick and he has to be willing to be free Bill Belichick because I'll ask you this if he were to go in there with the right frame of mind Demon Cotton and have fun with it and just be you know uh, 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 free to just roll with it he might be able to come up with some pretty good stuff right Belichick no I don't think so really I don't because would it be a roast or would it just be your boss talking about things that you, that he wished he could have done better even over 20 years. In, even if he did it in character, but came up with some biting comments, like, yeah, there was that one time, you know, where, you know what I'm saying? Like, if he, he could stay in character, if somebody wrote really, really good stuff for him, I, I if, if they're going to do this roast and uh, Bill Belichick was a willing participant, I think it could be hilarious. If he, if he went in there as Bill Belichick and just gave him the business, because I'll tell you this right now, you talk to teammates of Tom Brady, 
When Bill Belichick was pissed off at the at the Patriots, guess who he came after in team meetings and uh, film sessions and things like that, or on the practice field? He came right after Tom Brady. So if if he if some somehow some but way funny is it going to be funny? Well, I, that's the thing. You'd have to have writers that could give him the good material. But I do think I do think if he got if he got surrounded by the right writers. And came up with some inside stuff that we have to be able to to see and hear. Yeah, I think he would be able to pull it off. You want to know the surprise person there? It's going to be a part of this, and you're going to be like, we're all going to be thinking. Even it popped in my head, but we're all going to be thinking, why the hell oh, he's part uh, of it? Who? Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson would be uh, really, really good. Yeah, and yeah he's like, good. What does he have to do with this? And I'm like, we just had to get him in. There's, Ratings pop. I've seen I've seen him just pop into a roast and like, why is Pete? And then all of a sudden, I'm on my, you know what, laughing because that that dude has no guardrails. That's the thing. And I don't think Bill Burr would either. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that would be good, too. All Pete, right, moving on. Yes. Yesterday, the king, LeBron James, he decided to do a Q&A because he's at home, obviously, not doing it too much. LeBron James decided <laughs> to do a Q&A on Twitter, and there were a lot of topics. Someone's asking him, hey, man, when's the last time you and Bronny played one-on-one? Right. And he's talking about, like, he shattered the backboard the last yes. time they played. Get over yourself, LeBron. <laughs> and then he's talking about who's your favorite player, and he mentioned Luka. Giving Luca the props. Definitely. But the real good question, the meaty question. Right. Someone asked him if he had to pick a player to play alongside him, two on two, LeBron and whoever he was going to pick against MJ and Scotty. Ooh. LeBron said, yes. give him either KD, Kyrie, or Kobe. Oh. Vinny, a combination of LeBron, KD, Kobe, or Kyrie. Does the call stand that in a two-on-two, they could take down MJ and Scotty? I don't know about all. First of all, the call stands. Here, the ruling on the field stands. That's all they meant. Especially, I don't know about him and Kyrie, but I do think he and Kobe and, and he and uh, Kevin Durant could beat those two those two in a two-on-two game. A couple things. Number one, when he talked about breaking the backboard against the sun, I don't know. You, you, there's a movie called The Great Santini, and it's Robert Duvall using The Godfather and a bunch uh-huh. of other movies. He played this. Okay, he played this uh, fighter pilot, just an old school military dude, right? Who was real? I mean, he treated his kids like they were part of his squadron, right? And his son was getting better and better in basketball. And there's this classic scene. It's kind of sad in a way, actually. Because for all his life, he had always beaten the sun. But now the sun's getting a little bit better, much better, much better. And he's challenging to beat the great Sandini, his dad. And his dad starts cheating and fouling him. The whole family's watching it. And everyone gets mad at the dad. And it's just one of those scenes where if you're a dad, you kind of understand. So I can understand if LeBron is breaking some backboards uh, to try to uh, prevent. And that day is going to come. Bronny's going to beat LeBron. I don't know if it's happening any day soon. But at some point, that's going to happen. However, let's get back to the question. Man, can you imagine LeBron and Kobe against Scotty and Michael Jordan? Michael's going to get his. But I think there's ways that you can, like, Kobe's going to get into him a little bit uh, defensively. So I think that that matchup, um, he's going to he's gonna be able to slow him down just a little bit. The, the guy that, I, I Scotty Pippen was a great player. And he was really a good defensive player. He's no LeBron. But he's... Because he's going to have to – I don't see him dealing, I'm sorry, with Kevin Durant. And I think that Kobe, in his prime – let's let's make that clear. Everyone has to be in their primes. Kobe in his prime would, would be able to – I think – first of all, I think that – I think it would be Kobe on Michael offensively and defensively. 
And then you got LeBron on Scotty. That that's the right there. LeBron's going to go off uh, against Scotty Pippen. So that call stands. Yes. All right, Vinny, because we are low on time, that's all I've got for you today. All right. Take us home. You are in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Tuesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Hey, just a reminder, I'm going to be in Bakersfield. Bakersfield. There was a quarterback by the, for the Raiders that played in Bakersfield High School. Chris, Bakersfield Christian High School. A guy by the name of Derek Carr. Going to be in Derek Carr's uh, neck of the woods on Saturday, May 21st, this Saturday, uh, over at uh, Stramler Park in Bakersfield. It's the Raider Nation Summer Kickoff 2022. There's going to be special guests, yours include, or, or yours truly included, live performances, vendors, carnival games, prizes, a kid zone. Uh, also, also, you might be interested in the fact that uh, Hunter Renfro, Denzel uh, Perryman, and a wide receiver by the name of Hunter Renfro are also going to be featured guests uh, at the Raider Nation Summer Kickoff. If you want tickets and they're going fast, uh, go to Summer Kickoff 2022 dot eventbrite.com that's summer kickoff 2022.eventbrite.com it starts at one o'clock over at Stramler Park in Bakersfield that's 4003 Chester Avenue Bakersfield California 93301 uh, to kick off the new season and we are getting to that point Demon Cotton I mean we it's May 17th I know it's still a ways down the road but you know we're into phase three of OTAs. There's going to be a mini camp from June 7th to June 9th. And then the next thing you know, we're talking about weeks now, weeks. The Raiders are going to open up training camp. Remember, they start a week early because they play in the Hall of Fame game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. How crazy is that? Oh, it's one of those it's one of those aspects when you put it in when you put it in like real terms like that. Yes. That it's around it's right around the corner. It's right around the corner. Because I know that people are already asking, they're calling in. Hey, is the media going to be able to go to mini camps? But it's just like I don't even I don't right. know. We will we, be there for mini camp. Yes, mini camps and then training camps right there. And right. It's just man, this team. And then like they're still making cuts. They're still making trades. Mm-hmm. Where like the undrafted free agents yes. people are coming in for a cup of coffee and right. they're still releasing people. We don't even know like who are the official ninety are going to be at the start of camp. Still a work in progress, by the way. Um, and I have this on really good authority. There is a really good chance, a very good chance that the Raiders are going to have a joint practice with the New England Patriots. Uh, at the end of the, the their last preseason game is against the Patriots here at Allegiant Stadium over uh, on the Las Vegas Strip. And it looks like there's going to be a joint practice. Now, what's kind of unusual about that, Devon Cotton, they play them in the regular season. Now, it's not until way down the road in December. It's going but... to be a completely different team by then. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but, you know, so uh, so it is a little bit unusual, and, and, and the Raiders were a little bit up against it in this regard because, um, you know, uh, A, 
all their normal teams that they normally would have a joint practice with, whether you're talking about maybe the Cardinals or the Seattle Seahawks or the Rams or even, you know, the 49ers, uh, the, the NFC West crew that they have access to that are fairly close to, that teams that they would normally play in the preseason, well, they're playing all those teams in the regular season this year. They're playing the NFC West teams this year. So they're not going to show any of their hand against those guys. But I guess with the Patriots, it's almost going to be like practicing. It's going to be like an inter-squad scrimmage anyway because they pretty much do the same thing, right? I was just about to say that there is going to be one of those, we're all running the same stuff. Right. So it's going to be like it would have been back in uh, wherever the heck the Patriots. I guess they practice actually at uh, Gillette Stadium is where their training camp is. But so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that all uh, plays out. But a uh, good chance that when the Patriots come out here, can you imagine Bill Belichick at seven o'clock in the morning? Because that's what time they're going to have to practice. Right? Unless they do it over to Legion Stadium. Maybe that's what they'll do. Maybe they'll end up doing it at uh, Legion Stadium. Anyway, uh, thanks to uh, Bill Williamson and Sam Gordon. I appreciate uh, you guys coming into the huddle today. Thank you, Damon Cotton. Happy belated birthday. Q Myers, have a great time and a great trip with you and your beautiful family uh, to Hawaii. Enjoy it. Turn off your phone. That's, I'm just, I'm, that's my piece of advice. Turn off the phone and enjoy the vacation. Uh, we're back at it tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, brought to you by Tequila Ambassador.